Praise the Lord. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That's what's written in the 1 John chapter 3, the first two verses. And when we read in John's gospel record, we hear, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Our heavenly Father proved his love through his actions. He gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He sent heavenly spiritual light into the world. But unfortunately, humankind rejected that light because they loved darkness. And the proof of that truth, of that truth, is found in the evil actions. You see, actions matter. How we live our lives matter. The Scriptures direct us to live a particular way. The Scriptures show us what God wants of us. We're saved by God's grace through our faith in what He did. Thanks be to our Heavenly Father that even though the world rejected His free gift, He did not destroy the world. But I have to add, yet... He foretells a time when He will. And this is in this series of messages, this is the seventh part in this series that I called Signs. Sign, sign, everywhere a sign. So sang that band in 1970. He foreknew that time when He was going to destroy the world. And our Lord showed us signs. He revealed signs, things that would show us that He's returning. The signs have always been a part of our lives. And if we ask for wisdom to comprehend those signs, He will, in fact, give us wisdom. And this is important for us to recognize. This is why we look into God's Word for His truth of what He says, how it's going to look, not what somebody else says 
about how it's going to look. The one that we call Jesus, Yahashua, he taught about signs to watch for. And he also taught his followers to pay attention to the signs. Before we move on, I want us to pray again. Heavenly Father, I do yield to you for your use. I found your words, Lord, and I ate them. And your word is to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. You, O Lord, are the God of hosts. Please, Lord, clear distractions and give me unction to speak what we need to hear, Father. Help us to explore that map that we call the Bible. You gave it to us. Open our eyes to see clearly. Help us to surrender to You and erase any deception, Lord, that might have come upon us, that we may have been deceived by. Help us return to You through Christ. And Lord God, I thank You for cleansing us from sin. And God, bless all who are within the sound of my voice. Give us wisdom, wisdom from above to override any earthly or sensual or demonic teachings that have come to us previously. I pray this all in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 14. You'll find that if you want to in the book there in your seat, page 1889, Revelation chapter 14. And that's page 1889. We're going to begin with verse 6 and read through verse 13. Revelation chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel. Because you have, excuse me, I skipped too far there. To preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth and the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation." He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I ask that God would add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. If anyone, is there any exclusion there? Is there any exclusion there? If anyone worships the beast in his image 
and receives his mark on his forehead or his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. Anyone. There's no exclusions there, folks. It doesn't matter because I have heard people say, well, if you're saved, you can do it and it's okay. There's nothing about that Scripture that says that that's okay. It doesn't matter if you said a little prayer and somebody says, now you're saved and born again. You cannot take that mark. You may not worship that beast, that antichrist, and expect that somehow you're going to have everlasting life in the presence of God. They're not the same thing. Not going to happen. Remember, it's written, here is the patience of the saints. And then it goes on to say, here are those who keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. That's the patience that's required. Keeping the commandments of God. Not doing what God says not to do. And doing what God says to do. Regardless of who tells you to do something opposite of what God says. Last week we learned that the Scriptures teach that the saints that are living, the saints are the living women and men who follow Christ. That's what the Scripture teaches. And we just covered some of the passages. There's more than 90 passages of Scripture that teach that the saints are living human beings, and saints can also be applied to the angels. The, the ones that are set apart for God's use. And God's Holy Spirit makes us holy by His presence within us. He leads us out of temptation and delivers us from evil. And we pray this all the time. Lead us not into temptation. And the, the, the reality is we're asking Him to lead us out of temptation and deliver us from evil. In his revelation to the Apostle John, our Lord told him to write this, These things, says he, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. We've had to do that here from time to time. And have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. That's in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But then our Lord goes on to warn them. He criticizes them about leaving their first love. They had this right. They had faith. They had patience. But they left their first love. Nevertheless, he said, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. And this is where we hear people have fallen from God's grace. They left their first love. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. The lampstand is a representation of the light that shines forth from the Word of God, from its place unless you repent. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to put you in darkness 
God promises the church. He's preaching to the church. He's not preaching to unbelievers out in the world. He's telling the church, if you don't turn around and do what God says to do, I'm going to take the light away from you, and you're going to be in darkness. That's what he says to the church, not to the world. Do the first works or I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, and now he gives him another commendation. He says, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. God hates the works of the Nicolaitans. And we're not going to get into that. It's a whole other message. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The overcomers receive that gift. The overcomers. You see, he's instructing them in the way of patient faithfulness. Faithfully being patient until the coming of the Lord Christ himself. Change your mind about sin, he's saying. Change your mind. You can't live that way. Turn back to Him. Turn back to His way. This is what He's saying to the churches. Remain faithful and receive everlasting life in the paradise of God. Who said this? Whose words are these? The one we call Jesus. Yeah, Christ. Savior. That's who said it. It's not some guy that started some denomination of the church. It's Christ Himself. He says this. He's speaking to the churches, telling the churches, turn back to Him. It's not some mere man who interpreted what He said. It was Him. He also commended the church in Thyatira. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. As far as your works, the last are more than the first. He's saying, I know what you're doing. You've got faith. You've got patience. But then he criticized them for tolerating that rebellious woman he called Jezebel. There's a spirit in the church today of rebellion against God and following after the teachings and doctrines and traditions of man. That's what he's talking about. Rebelling against his teaching is unfaithfulness. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, according to the first part of a passage from excuse me, 1 Samuel, <clears throat> and stubbornness as, as iniquity and idolatry. Think about that. Stubbornness against God is iniquity and idolatry. That's what he says. That's not my words. Those are his words. Rebelling against his teaching is opposite of patient, faithful waiting for his return. Turning against what he says following after what we like or what we want or what somebody before us said it should be, is the opposite of faithful, patiently waiting for Christ's return. In Revelation chapter 3, 
we hear our Lord's criticism of the church in Sardis. Now, I did a series of messages on these passages, so I'm not getting into depth with them. There's a lot that I'm not covering. I want to look at the faith and the patience of believers. The patience and faith of believers. That's what matters here. To the angel of the church, the angel is the pastor, the angel is the messenger, the messenger of God. That's what the word means. The root word behind angel here means messenger, the one that God has placed in the church to bring the message. He says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write these things, says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And he's speaking of the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit there. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I, he says, have not found your works perfect before God. He's speaking to the pastor of the church. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. He's warning the church. If you're not watchful, if the pastor is not true to God's Word, the church is going to suffer. That's what the Lord Himself says. That's not my words. Those are His words. He's going to come as a thief, and you won't know what hour I come upon you. This is a warning to all of Christ's family through all of time. It's not just for those people at that time. It's for all of us even now. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, we hear this, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And there's another passage of Scripture. I was going to look it up this morning, and I got distracted by something, and I didn't. I wanted to bring it. It says that the ones who are under the throne of God crying out, How long? until God takes care of that situation. And He said, these are the ones who were killed for their faith, and they will receive white robes. So He's not talking about people that are necessarily alive in that respect. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out His name or her name. The His there means either or. His name from the book of life, but I will confess their name before my Father and before His angels. This applies now and forever. Forever. It's not just for then. But listen to what He said. He said, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out His name from the book of life. And I've heard people say that He can't. But the implication there is that He can, because He says He will not. He doesn't say that He will never or that it'll never happen, or that it couldn't possibly happen, he says he will not blot out their names from the book of life. And the fact that he promised not to blot, blot out their names means that he can and possibly will. Now, that is something that I would not want to happen for anyone. And I've got to share it with you because I'm concerned about it. He tells his followers, strive to enter through the narrow gate. And this is found in the 13th chapter of Luke. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he'll answer and say to you, I do not know you. That's what he says. 
He says this. And they'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you're from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. You see, they were not faithful. They were not patiently waiting for him. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. This is what he said. This is our Lord. Now, somebody else will teach around that and say, well, it's not exactly that because, and they give you some doctrine that some man made up, and they say, well, see, because of this, that isn't true. But he says it. I'm going with what he says. I have to. In Psalm chapter 1, we hear this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, faithful, patiently waiting for Christ nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. What is ungodliness? We, the Father, has bestowed this love upon us that we should be called children of God, and the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know Him, because now we're children of God, and it hasn't been revealed what we'll be, but we know when He's revealed, we'll be like Him, for we'll be like He is. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God. In other words, this is how we love God, that we keep His commandments. See, we're faithful, and we're patiently waiting for Christ, and there are those who will say, oh, he promised to come 2,000 years ago. For 2,000 years, people have been saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming again, he's coming again. When I was a teenager, and I was telling some folks the other day, in fact, I think we're some of the young men here. It was Benjamin. No, it was uh, Sam. Now, all you guys were there, not Asher. Asher wasn't there. I was telling them when I was a teenager, and I first started preaching on the streets, I would say one way. i just walk up to people and say one way. Say, one way? What do you mean one way? The one way, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Christ. Or I would say, he's coming again. He's coming again. Yeah, he's coming again. What do you mean he's coming again? He's coming again. He promised to come. He's coming again. And when he comes, he wants to find you faithful. When he comes, he wants to find you waiting for him, watching for him. He's coming again. He promised. I believe it. Now, is he going to come today? I don't believe so. But I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I want, to be ma- I want to make sure that I'm ready for when He comes. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And there are ungodly people that are called pastors. There are ungodly people that are called priests. And I know that's a hard one for us to swallow, but let me tell you, folks, I know for a fact, myself, personally, I have encountered them. But if anyone loves God, it's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3, if anyone loves God, this one is known by Him. You see, 
Our Lord said, get away from me, I don't know you. And there's other passages of Scripture, Matthew chapter 7, where he elaborates a little further on that. Matthew had more details to share. They're going to say, well, you know, we cast out demons in your name. These are people that are believers. And he says, I don't know you. You're workers of iniquity. Now, this passage from 1 Corinthians says, if anyone loves God... This one is known by Him. And what does the passage tell us if we know Him? We know the love of God. We keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. If anyone loves God, they're known by Him. In other words, if you keep His commandments, if you're faithful and you're watching and you're waiting for Christ's return every day as if this was the day, not putting it off, well, you know what? He's not coming today. I can get away with this. After all, it's just... Little sin. Now, by this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in them. By this that we know that we are in Him. He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. In other words, if we're in Christ, we walk as Christ did. We are not giving in to the temptations. We're faithful. We're patiently waiting for Christ's return. Patience and faith are the marks of believers. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Hold fast to His teaching. Hold fast to His Word. Get to know His Word and hold fast to it. Get it in your heart. It becomes one with you, and it guides you out of temptation by His Spirit who is infused in His Word. And if you are a born-again believer, if in fact you have been taken over by God, then you are filled with His Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, it's written in Jude, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yahashua, Messiah, His given name, unto eternal life. Remember that one of the signs of His soon return is that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What's the sign of us being the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. So not loving God is the opposite of keeping His commandments. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then He goes on to tell us, from such people, turn away. That's a hard one for me. As a pastor, that's a hard one for me. Whenever I see people in the body of Christ who have succumbed to temptation and given in to that temptation, it is difficult for me to say, I can't fellowship with you. 
I want to bring them to the light. And this is why I mark all the things that I give. Pastor John gives everyone the light. That's just a saying for what I do with God's Word because this is the light. It reveals Christ, and Christ is the light that came into the world. In Revelation 3.10, we learn that our Lord commands perseverance. He commands it. It is a command. If we love God, we obey His commandments. He says, this is Christ, says, For because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. There's a trial coming. And it's not a trial like in a courtroom. It's a trial of your faith. It's a test of your faith. It's a test of your patience. And this is why I warn everybody, don't pray for patience and don't pray for faith. Because in order to have those, you must exercise them. And whenever you pray for faith, you will get something that requires it. Ask me how I know. The same with patience. When you pray for those things, God gives you things that require those things, and you must exercise them. It's going to test that whole, the whole world. Notice that the promise is of protection. I will keep you from the hour of trial. Can we praise God for that? Can we praise God for that? And I can't tell you exactly what that looks like. He doesn't describe how He's going to keep you from the hour of trial. But what we know is, when we look in the Scripture, we see that whenever the angel of death visited Egypt, it was those who were covered by the blood on the, on the lentils and the doorposts who the angel of death passed over their households. We are covered by the blood of Christ, and that is going to be our protection. He, that trial is going to pass over us, and I don't know how. I can't tell you how. There are those who use that passage of Scripture and others similar to it to say, well, God's going to come in, and He's going to whisk us all out of here. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take us out of here before the trial comes. And it, that's possible. It's possible, but that's not what he said. You know, he said that after that tribulation, he's going to come back. And then there's those that divide that into two parts. They say, well, one part is when he raptures the church out, and the other part is when he comes back. And that's not how he says it. So I have to go with what he says. And I know that upsets some people, and I don't want to upset anybody. I want to tell you the truth, though. I have to tell you the truth. God's going to hold me to account for your blood. He says so in His Word. I don't want your blood on my hands. I've got to give you His Word as it's written and how His Word describes what His Word says. And that's why I use so much Scripture in most of my messages, so that you understand this is God's Word. It's not some man's Word. It's not my thoughts about God's Word. It's what God's Word says. He promises. Our, our Savior promises to keep us from that hour of trial, and I believe He will, even if I don't know how He's going to do it. I'm not caught up in the how. I'm caught up in the fact that He said He will, and He will keep His Word. We will be kept from it. 
In Luke chapter 21, it's written, You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Now, wait a minute. He just said he's going to protect us. How do we reconcile this? You will be hated by all for my name's sake. He's talking about the time that's coming. But not a hair of your head will be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, possess your souls. In Hebrews chapter 6, it's written, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Do you hear faithfulness there? Do you hear patience in there? That you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. This is the faith and patience of the saints. If you go through hard times, you've got to be prepared. If you don't think that it's possible for you to go through hard times, when you go through hard times, you're not going to know how to handle it. That is the danger in some of the doctrines that are prevalent in the body of Christ today. The people aren't prepared. And whenever things get really bad, they're not going to know what to do. Their faith is going to be tested beyond their ability to endure it. And the Scripture tells us that Christ will not return until a great falling away takes place. And that falling away has to happen. It will happen. There are going to be people that are believers who fall away from the faith. And there are others who argue that, well, that doesn't mean that they're going to whatever. That doesn't mean that they lose their salvation. But God's Word makes it clear they're going to fall away, and then they're going to come before Christ, and He's going to say, I don't know you. You're workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In Colossians chapter 1, it's written that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being faithful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, that you would be strengthened, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power. See, where's the power come from? Anybody? God. He'll give you the strength to endure. He'll give you the strength to be patiently waiting for Christ. He will give you the strength that you need to have your faith to endure during whatever trials come through. Now, our regular lives bring us plenty of trials, and sometimes we just get up to here. I'm telling you from my own experience, I get to this place and I say, God, I just can't take anymore. And he says, hang in there. I hang in. It's like, it's like anybody ever... Ever, ever use a tire iron to break a lug nut on a wheel? Anybody? Raise a hand. Somebody. Yes, there's a few of you. Yeah. You're pulling on that tire iron, okay? You're pulling, and you're pulling. You might even put a foot on the thing or stand, try to stand on You get to this place where you say, this is never going to break, and you put in that last little oh, effort, and it snaps loose. You ever have that happen? That's the thing that happens with faith when you press on, when you press on and you press on, even though it seems like you're up against an insurmountable task, you can't get through it, you hold on, you don't let go, you're patient, you're, I'm not going to quit, I am not going to quit, I am not going to quit, pop, 
That's what he's talking about. That's how it is. We must maintain our faithfulness, and we must maintain our patient waiting for Christ's return. This is the faith and patience of the saints, after all. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Who qualifies us? God the Father. Right. Qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We're forgiven by His work, not our own. And that doesn't absolve us from doing work. Faith and works go hand in hand. The Scripture makes that clear. And remember what's written in James chapter 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let patience have its perfect work. Let patience. The testing of your faith strengthens your patience. The testing of your faith? What? Testing of your faith produces patience? I want to see a show of hands. How many want your faith to be tested? You want your patience to grow. You want to be patiently watching for Christ's return. I know I told you don't ask for patience or faith, right? Then I ask you to show your hands. I know. That was a test. He said, in, it's written in Hebrews chapter 12, for consider Him, consider Christ, who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, unless or lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. In other words, whenever you get really beat down by whatever it is that's coming against you, consider Christ. Think about what He went through. Think about the torment that He endured. Think about the hostility that He received from sinners against Himself lest you become weary and discouraged. The sad reality is, though, that countless numbers of people, countless numbers, will worship the beast in his image, and an untold number will accept his mark. There's no way around that. It's going to happen. I don't want anybody who ever hears any message that I've delivered to be among that number. As it's written in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 11, the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. No rest. Day or night, forever and ever. That is not what I want for anyone. That's why I preach. That's why I've surrendered to God. That's why I do what I do, regardless of what it is. When he says to do it, I do it. We were talking about the food ministry and how the food just keeps coming and coming and coming, and I'm saying, okay, Lord, yes, you, you say it, I'll do it. And sometimes I get weary, sometimes I get tired, but He says, do it, so we do it. Those who refuse to mark are referred to as patient and faithful. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. He says, don't take the mark. Regardless of what it is, no matter how it's portrayed, when you can't buy or sell without it, you must say no. You must refuse. 
You must turn away. You must remain faithful and patient. Because that's what the Scripture shows us. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jeremiah wrote the following. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. Those words are in a hymn. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Think about it. Sing it. Hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. That's where it comes from. That's, that's the Scripture that that is portraying. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly, patiently, for the salvation of the Lord. You know, when Mary learned that she was chosen to bear the Messiah into the world, she said, His mercy is upon those who fear Him from generation to generation. In other words, it lasts forever. His mercy is upon those who fear Him. If we reverence God, if we fear God, if we have that healthy fear of God, we keep His commandments. And that reveals our love for Him. Because loving Him is revering Him, reverencing Him. In Habakkuk chapter 2, it's written, Then the Lord answered and said to me, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that He may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. In Luke chapter 18, it's written, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and he and Shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him, though He bears long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? Will He? Will He? The fact that He asked that question, will He really find faith on the earth, implies that it's possible that He could find a faithless world. I pray not. Here is the patience of the saint. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 6, it's written, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I know I repeated some passages of Scripture here because I want to stress them. It's really important that we understand God does not want us to become sluggish. He does not want us to give up. He does not want us to become unfaithful. He does not want us not to be patiently waiting. He wants us to be watchful. He wants us to be looking at the signs. He wants us to be paying attention. It doesn't matter what day or what year it is. He wants us to be ready. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, it's written, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And again, another repeat. It's deliberate. It's intentional. In James chapter 5, We hear this, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Nobody's gone through the trials of Job except Job. None of us. All the loss that we've experienced in this life can't match what Job went through. And he says, consider that. Remember that. Remember what Christ went through. Remember what Job went through. And remain faithful, patiently waiting for the Lord's return. And as I wrap this up, I want you to remember that God, your heavenly Father, loves you. And so do I. And that's why I preach the way that I do. I don't want anyone to fall under that judgment. I don't want anybody to hear those words, I don't know you. Your Heavenly Father wants you to recognize that these are the days foretold. We're not at the end of the last days, that's obvious, because there are things that need to happen. But they can happen with with quickness, folks, speedily. You have to be prepared for what He says is coming, because if you're here, and that tribulation comes upon you, He will keep you. You've got to remember that. He will keep you. But it doesn't mean that your siblings or your parents or your children won't turn against you and other relatives because He says they will. And we've seen some of that this past year with something that had nothing to do with the mark of the beast. When that mark comes, what we saw last year is going to be child's play compared to what we have to endure. Your Heavenly Father wants you to remain patient and faithful until the coming of the one we call Jesus. It's written, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that was written thousands of years ago. But remember, one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. It says a watch in the night. Our, Our lives are like a whisper. Scripture reveals this. And so I'll repeat those lyrics from that song, sign, sign, everywhere a sign. Can you read the signs? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Father, that 
you have given us the signs. You've illuminated the signs. You've shed light on those signs. You've revealed to us, Lord, what we are to look for. You've shown us what you want from us, how you want us to be patient and faithful to the end. Help us, Father, we pray in Christ's name. I ask that you would pour your Spirit upon each one in this congregation, that you would lead us out of temptation into faithfulness, that you would deliver us from evil by whatever means you see fit. And I pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.